God, we come to you, and Lord, we praise you for who you are. Lord, we thank you for the incredible um, gift of the holiday season. And Lord, we, uh, again, have so much to be thankful for. We thank you, Lord, for all that you provide into our lives. And God, I pray that we would uh, just enter this Christmas season, Lord, with a, a heart and an attitude of, of worship and of prayer, God, and of devotion to you. And Lord, we know just the busyness of the season, Lord, can sometimes cloud um, just the, what we're really celebrating. And Lord, we are truly celebrating the incredible gift that you've given us through Christ. And Lord, I pray for this holiday season, God, that you would just give a special touch, Lord, to all those that need it today. Lord, as we know, sometimes holidays can be a hard time as well. And we, Lord, we lift up those that might uh, be, be missing someone or uh, estranged from their family or that needs restoration in relationships or needs provision, Lord, or whatever it might be, Lord, we lift them up to you today. And God, we ask, um, Lord, for your special touch upon them. And Lord, we again praise you for your word. Lord, for the Advent season of just of, of living in hope, Lord, for the coming Christ child. And Lord, as we dive into this message series this year of studying uh, not just the Christmas story, but all the different aspects of, of you and, and of all that Christ brings into our world. And I pray, Lord, that you open our eyes and our hearts to what you want us to see this Christmas season. Lord, we love you. We praise you. And just ask your guidance now as we open your word and as we learn and study and grow. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we are starting the Christmas series uh, today titled The Wonder of Christmas. And again, there's so much within the Christmas season that, that we uh, can get kind of distracted with, right? There's, there's the parties, there's the shopping, there's the family gatherings, the, the meals, the traveling. I mean, there's, there's all these different things that, that, that are happening in the season. And these are all good things. These are fun things. And yet, um, it comes with it, this extra level of busyness, right? the, the craziness of the Christmas season. I think I, as we look at that and, and you know, think about all of the parties, the family gatherings, the traditions, the church stuff, the, the gift giving, the shopping, the cooking, I mean, all those things can become really overwhelming and stressful, can't they? Right? And yet we, we sometimes, you know, forget that they are also a blessing. And I think as we think about that, I just want to ask you this question. As we think about all that comes with this season, and, and again, maybe, maybe what's your response? Maybe it's one of anxiety, right? Maybe it's one of, of excitement. Maybe it is you know, just one of, of just thinking about all of the stressors. But, but just ask yourself, whether it's the Christmas season or not, how do you typically respond to stressful situations? How do you typically respond to stressful situations? Like I said, for, for, for many of us, it's, it's all over the board, right? Sometimes we just feel overwhelmed. Sometimes we feel angry, right? We've all seen those people, right? When you're standing in line at the store, that person in front of you gets angry. So we've all experienced, maybe, or maybe it's you, right? Again, how do we typically respond to, to stressful times? I tell you, just admittedly for me, sometimes I feel like if I feel overwhelmed, I just want to do nothing. Right? The tendency is just to give up, right? If you're like, you know what? I'll just forget it all. Right? And, and again, sometimes that's just what we do, right? We just sit down, we just play games on our phone, and we just watch the 24-hour marathon of Elf, right? And, and, we just, and we just become numb to all of it, right? And, and we just, it's, 
sometimes that's a tempting thing, is just to give up. And yet, when we think about these stressful situations, we see there's all kinds of stories in the Bible of people who are facing stressful situations. In fact, I want to start today with looking at the story of King Ahaz, and it's found in Isaiah chapter 7. So if you have your Bible with you, I invite you to open with me to Isaiah chapter 7. We're going to kind of look at this story and kind of some of the backstory of some of these very famous Christmas passages if you're with us in person, you can grab the Bibles and the seats if you don't have one of your own, and you can open up. You see the page numbers are included there, or you can find it in those Bibles. If you're with us online, you can follow along as well. But we're going to start here in Isaiah chapter 7. And again, this is the story of King Ahaz, and, and um, in, it's in Isaiah because Isaiah was a prophet. And so Old Testament prophets, again, remember the people in the Old Testament, they did not have the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so they had to, God only spoke through certain people. Right? And they were known as prophets. And, and so they, these prophets would get messages from the Lord and it would take them to, typically to people in power and, and, or, or in influence, right? That is leading especially um, Israel or, or Judah. And so here we have um, King Ahaz who, who is in power and Isaiah is the prophet of the time. And so Isaiah can come to the king and gives them lots of these uh, just different messages or, or direction from the Lord. And setting up here in this situation, King Ahaz is in, is in an incredible, stressful situation. That he keeps hearing about all of these neighboring kings and kingdoms, and these threats are coming his way of how they are going to overtake his land and conquer him, his kingdom. Right, so there's a lot at stake for King Ahaz. They talk about a stressful situation. Right, he's in the middle of it. And then we, we see the, king, uh, uh, the prophet Isaiah comes to him in this moment with a message from the Lord. And so we're going to pick up here in Isaiah chapter 7, starting at verse 3, where he says, Then the Lord said to Isaiah, Take your son, Shir Jashab, and go out to meet King Ahaz. You will find him at the end of the aqueduct that feeds water into the upper pool, near the road leading to the field where cloth is washed. Tell him to stop worrying. Tell him he doesn't need to fear the fierce anger of those two burned-out embers, King Rezin of Syria and Pekah, son of Remaliah. Yes, the kings of Syria and Israel are plotting against him, saying, We will attack Judah and capture it for ourselves. Then we will install the son of Tabil as Judah's king. And this is what the sovereign Lord says. This invasion will never happen. It will never take place. For Syria is no stronger than its capital, Damascus, and Damascus is no stronger than its king, Rezin. As for Israel, within 65 years, it will be crushed and completely destroyed. Israel is no stronger than its capital, Samaria, and Samaria is no stronger than its king, Pekah, son of Remaliah. Unless your faith is firm, I cannot make you stand firm. You know, as we read this, this situation, again, these two neighboring kings, again, are continuing to threaten him, saying, we are going to come conquer you. And we see here, then, God speaks to Isaiah and tells him, go and meet the king and give him this message. And as we read the message, right, what God is telling him, Ahaz, just relax. Take a deep breath. Right? Just trust me. Because I'm telling you what's going to happen with these kings. He said, they are not as strong as they think they are. Right? They're not going to come and conquer you. They just trust me. 
Right? And so in this moment, right, God is, is giving King Ahaz um, the information that he needs, right, to say, that, again, God's telling him, I have this handled. Just give it to me and relax. And yet we see here in the conclusion of God's message to King Ahaz, we see uh, verse 9, the last part of verse 9, where God says, unless your faith is firm, I cannot make you stand firm. Hey, what is God telling him? God is telling him, hey, just keep your faith in me. Hey, in the midst of this stressful situation, where it feels overwhelming, where you're not even sure whether you can stand firm, right? And, and again, God is saying, you don't even have to fight. All you have to do is stand firm. Just stand firm. I got this. Hey, but notice, what does he say? God tells him, but just put your faith in me. Put your trust in me. And if you trust me, if, you're, if your faith is firm, right, then you will stand firm. But if your faith is not, if you question your faith, if you step back on it, right, then I cannot make you stand firm. Again, God will not force himself on any of us. Right, God offers us his help. He says, I have your situation. I have you in my hand. But you have to keep your faith strong. Right, and stand firm. In fact, even if we fast forward to the New Testament, right, where we have the Holy Spirit, God speaks to us right, individually. We don't have to hear through prophets anymore, right? And yet the Holy Spirit continues to tell us the same message, doesn't it? Stand firm. Put your faith in God and just stand firm. Especially in stressful situations. Right? And as God, again, reaffirms to King Ahaz his presence, right? And, and, his, and his power is, is with him and with his kingdom and, and all of those things. We, we, we see this there. And, and then, um, again, God tells Ahaz to put his faith in him, to trust him, I have your back. Just whatever you do, just do not give up. Don't throw up your hands. And then we see and kind of the continuing story here. We're going to pick up in verse 10, where he says, Later the Lord sent this message to King Ahaz. Ask the Lord your God for a sign of confirmation, Ahaz. Make it as difficult as you want, as high as heaven or as deep as the place of the dead. But the king refused. No, he said, I will not test the Lord uh, like that. And then Isaiah said, listen, listen well, you royal family of David. Isn't it enough to exhaust human patience? Must you exhaust the patience of God as well? All right, then the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel which means God is with us. And again, God not only tells him in this situation to put his faith in him, but then God says, hey, hey, Ahaz, just, just, I will show you how powerful I am. Right? Just ask me, right? put me to the test, and I will show you. And again, the king comes back out of reverence and respect, says, no, I will not do that to the Lord. I will not test the Lord. I'm not going to do that. And so then God says, you know, this very famous verse. He's like, fine, then I will give you a sign of how powerful I am. And then we see this powerful verse and where he tells him about the coming of the Messiah. Okay, now, as we look at this, what does God 
do, again, to strengthen his faith. He said, in the midst of this, right, in the midst of this time, this stressful time, as he's encouraging King Ahaz, he says, just put your faith in me. Stand firm in your faith, no matter what's happening around you. Like, stand firm and, and put your faith in me and me alone. Right? And God says that, and what does God give him? Okay, to help strengthen the king's faith, God gives King Ahaz hope. He gives him hope. Because that is what is gone, right, if we are tempted to give up. In the midst of stressful situations, we're like, I, I don't know how this is going to work out, you know, and if, but if, if we lose hope, and that's when, when we're super tempted to just throw up our hands. In fact, I, I've, uh, my, my mother-in-law has said this on my entire life. She says, you can endure anything as long as you know when the end is. Right? You can endure anything as long as you know when it ends. Right? Because when you know when it ends, right, you can suffer all kinds of things. Right? Why is that true? It's true because when you know when it ends, you have hope that you're not stuck there forever. Right? And, and as soon as we don't know if, when it's going to end, that's when we lose hope. Right? And that's when we become incredibly discouraged. And we see in this famous verse, right, that comes out in Isaiah 7, 14, and it's quoted at Christmas time all, all the time, isn't it? Isaiah 7, 14, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive a child, and she will give birth to a son, and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And not only did God give King Ahaz hope for that one situation, right, but God gave him the big picture of hope. God is saying, again, I, put your faith in me. Your faith is firm in me. Right? I can handle it. I have your back. And I have a plan to not just redeem you, but to redeem the entire world through the Messiah. And God gives him hope. Again, not just for this situation, but for all situations. And as we enter this Christmas season, right, again, again, how do you respond to stressful situations? is we can find hope in Christ, right? in what we're celebrating this Christmas season. Again, as we, as we look at this, there, there is incredible power in hope that comes with Christ. As we're, as we're looking at these different aspects this year of the Advent season, as we're starting with hope today, and we're going to just kind of, we're going to watch some, some little videos throughout the series, right, that kind of focus our, our minds and hearts on different things. So again, we're going to watch this little video uh, as we describe a different angle on the hope that comes from God. So I have this serious problem with Christmas presents. Don't worry, no soapbox is here. Now see, the problem is actually with me. <laughs> I hint at the gifts, you know? I spill the beans and I ruin the surprise every year, but I can't help it. I love it so much. Mommy, I need you! I'm coming, sweetie! Spoiling the surprise kind of reminds me how God works. He likes to hint at big things. Like the way he hinted about that very first Christmas gift. All those years ago, the Lord himself shall give you a sign, and the virgin shall conceive and give birth to a son, and he shall be called, do you remember? Emmanuel. Emmanuel. Yeah, he was preparing a gift, all right. 
God packed up the greatest gift that the world had ever seen. Not even he could keep it to himself. He gets me. And God didn't just let the surprise slip once. No, he let the cat out of the bag nearly 300 times in the Old Testament. We call them prophecies. But here's the big difference between God's prophecies and just spoiling a surprise. One is giving the gift early, but you don't get to open it. And the other is God giving us a gift of hope while we wait for Jesus to come. <laughs> Do you see it? He wasn't telling us a secret. He was making us a promise. Because we humans, three chapters into the creation story, we managed to mess it all up. Yeah, we needed saving, desperately. So God kept sending us hope through his prophets and messengers. And that hope was the gift of his son, the Messiah. And there will never be a greater gift than Jesus. And the cool thing is that hope isn't over. He promises to come again and take us all home. So the gift is just right there. The question is, will you accept it? The gift is right there. Right, the gift of Christ. I think as we uh, can learn from not just the video, I mean from the over 300 prophecies of the Old Testament, that the, the ultimate gift of Christmas is the Christ child. Right, the ultimate gift of Christmas is the Christ child. And again, we have our traditions, right? We have our, all of our shopping and gift giving and, and gift exchange and all those things that we do. But ultimately, right, it's fun, to re but ultimately it's to remind us of the ultimate gift that God gave us that first Christmas. And that, that he sent us Christ. And Christ coming into our world, Christ coming into our lives, brings with it all kinds of things. And one of those things that came with Christ is hope. As we look at this incredible gift of the Christ child, but we see later in Isaiah, in chapter 40, verse 31, again, the same prophet brings a, a different message, but yet one that's very connected to even the one he brought to Ahaz with the Christ child. In Isaiah 40, verse 31, he says, But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will uh, not grow faint. Again, as I look at this verse, again, this is another very famous verse out of Isaiah. And as we look at the different translations, again, this is the New Living Translation. The New King James translation says, those who wait on the Lord will find new strength. The NIV translation says that those who hope in the Lord will find new strength. Again, we trust, wait on the Lord. Hope in the Lord. I mean, these are all different translations of the same Hebrew word, right, that incorporates all of these different aspects. Again, as we enter this Christmas season, just we ultimately have to say, right, is 
Again, where is your hope, right? What are you waiting on? What are you trusting in your life to bring you hope? Is it Christ or is it something else? Because the reality is we can put our faith in so many different things in this world. And yet God asks us to only put our faith in him. And that's how we stand firm, just like King Ahaz did. And as we do that, we can find new strength. We will not grow weary, right? We will find hope to keep going, no matter what we face. As we see these descriptions in Isaiah, I want to, you know, fast forward, flip in your Bibles over to Hebrews chapter 2. Now, we studied the book of Hebrews last summer, and then we kind of dove deep into that, but uh, in Hebrews chapter 2, there's this, this long, long passage, in fact, there's several um, passages here in this section of Hebrews that are describing Christ himself, right? all these different aspects of who Christ is. And in the midst of this, in, in Hebrews chapter 2, um, we're going to start at verse 14, but in here we see um, all kinds of different descriptions about, about who Christ is, about what the Christ child brings into our lives. Okay, because of the Christ child, first thing we learn here in Hebrews chapter 2 is we have hope for freedom. Because of the Christ child, we can be set free. Again, Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15 talk about this freedom. Okay, where it says, Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. Okay, as we see in here, right, that, that Christ came here to conquer the power of sin and death. Just as you said in the video, right, starting off in, in the third chapter of Genesis, we messed it up, right? Sin enters the world in the fall. And yet now, which is why God sent Christ, right, to, to die for us in our place. Our God put on flesh. He became humans like us to live a sinless life, right, so that he could die in our place, so that we could be set free. And, and we find the hope of freedom. Again, think about in your life right now, what is, might be holding you captive, right? What sin might be holding you back in your faith journey, holding you back maybe from Christ, from being saved in the first place. And again, if you're here with as a person or watching online, if you never joined the journey of faith, you never prayed and accepted Christ as your Savior, and, and unopened that gift of grace and mercy and forgiveness, right? Then you have hope for freedom. And you just have to pray and, and ask God into your life and ask for that forgiveness, right? And surrender your heart and life to Christ and you will find freedom. And then once we join that journey of faith, now we start to move forward in our faith and grow every day, right? And as God shows us the next step of that journey to set us free from the next thing that's holding us back from him. It's getting in between us and our relationship with our God. And with Christ, because he became flesh, and because he lived that sinless life, and because he died and rose again through the resurrection, he gives us hope for freedom, that we can be set free. As we keep looking through this passage, we see in the next verse, verse 16, we learn that we have 
not just hope for freedom, but we also have hope for help. When you enter into that relationship with God and you receive him as your savior and you start on that new journey, journeying towards Christ, being transformed by spirit, then the promise is also true that Jesus gave us, that that he's with us, that you will never be alone. That God's presence is with you no matter what you face. We have him helping us. We also have the body of Christ, of of the the big C church, right, that is with us, that that helps us walk through those life challenges and, and those times where we feel overwhelmed. With Christ comes hope that we have help. Again, verse 16, he says, we also know that the son did not come to help angels. He came to help the descendants of Abraham. Like he came to help us. As we again see that help, see, right? see God's presence as we're walking with him, as we face, not that we don't face those trials and struggles of life, but now we don't face them alone. Right? Which leads us then, if we continue on through the passage, we learn the next thing that we have hope for is we have hope for forgiveness. Right? That our sins can be forgiven and in our past, that they don't have to define our future. We have hope for forgiveness. Again, verse 17, he says, Therefore, it was necessary for him to be made in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters, so that we could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. Then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. Again, Christ had stepped into our mess in this earth. And he he lived that so that he could bring us with him into glory, right? That he could stand in our place, that he could be our high priest before God. That he could stand in the gap and pay the price that we can't pay ourselves. He's died and rose again. He conquered that sin and death. Right, he could offer the sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. And that's what we're celebrating. Right, that brings us hope, right? That I am forgiven. And that those sins are, are in my rearview mirror. In fact, Scripture says once we receive that forgiveness from God, they're as far as the east is from the west. Because of Christ stepping in our, in our, in our path right, and paying that price, now he says that we are seen as holy and blameless before God. All right, we have that hope of that forgiveness. Now again, the challenge of that is to see ourselves as forgiven, isn't it? Sometimes that's what holds us back. All right, but we have that hope, right, of knowing that promise that we have been forgiven. And then moving forward in that, we see in the next verse, verse 18, is now those sins are forgiven. Now we are also have the help from Christ the hope that we can find in the midst of temptation. Right? Because in the midst of that transformation journey, we continue right, to be transformed by God's Spirit. And as he works through the new phase, the next phase for us in our journey to be transformed like Christ. And yet those temptations will continue in our lives, right? But yet we have to keep our eyes focused on Jesus and focused in a new direction right? and fight those temptations. Like verse 18 tells us, says that since he himself has gone through suffering and testing, he is able to help us when we are being tested. Again, just like God told King Ahaz, 
those thousands of years before Christ came. And now here we are 2,000 years after Christ came, and we can still find the same hope, right? That God himself will enter in with us, and he will deliver us. That he will help us when we are being tested. Right? That our faith will remain strong. That we can have hope even in the midst of temptation if we keep our focus on Christ. Because God, through Jesus, has gone through the suffering and testing that we face. Isn't that a comforting thought? Right? That Jesus experienced every temptation that I experienced in my life, and yet he was victorious in it. And now I can follow that example, right? And know, right? I have hope in the midst of that temptation that I can not give in. Because Christ is leading the way. He has led the way. I think as we see, again, all the hope that comes here in, in Hebrews chapter 2, as we can fast forward later into Hebrews, um, we also see that all of this is for, you know, my past is gone, like my present is there, but we can also find hope for my future. I can also find hope for my future. See, in Hebrews 9, verses 27 and 28. It says, And just as each person is destined to die once, and after that comes judgment, so also Christ was offered once for all time as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people. He will come again, not to deal with our sins, but to bring salvation to all who eagerly are waiting. Again, I have hope not just for now, not just for tomorrow, but I have hope for my future. Because as we enter into this Christmas season, we celebrate the coming of Jesus, the first coming of Jesus. Again, there is still so many promises given to us in the New Testament of the fact that he's coming again. I see, there was, as I mentioned in the video, right, there were 300 over 300 prophecies in the Old Testament predicting the coming of, of Jesus, of the Christ child. You know, there's far more than 300 references in the New Testament about his second coming. As much as God, you know, spilled the beans, right, about Christ coming, he couldn't give that a secret, and yet he's even less so kept the secret of him coming back again. In fact, it's talked about, we just saw it in Thessalonians, didn't we, through that verse. I mean, it's mentioned multiple times just in that one letter, right, about that Christ is still yet to come again. And in that comes all kinds of hope, right, of knowing that this world is not my home. Okay, knowing that as I walk with Christ and I'm transformed with him every day, as I grow in my faith every day, I still have hope of knowing Right, that God will right all the wrongs we see in our world. That he will in his second coming. Because he's going to come again. And we have this hope for the future. And just as this verse says, right, we're all destined to die once, and after that comes judgment. And so also Christ was offered once for all time as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people. He's already died and conquered sin and death. He can, he's already given us that gift to take away our sins. 
And now we have the hope for the future of knowing that he will come again. But notice what this verse says. He says, when he comes again, though, it's not to deal with our sins. He's already done that. Right? He's already paid that price. All right, why is he coming again? He's coming right, to get all of us, to take us all home, to our true home, right? to, again, his ultimate kingdom. I mean, that's what Jesus said over and over, right? My kingdom is not of this world. Right? It is a heavenly kingdom, an eternal kingdom kingdom. Again, that's where we are now. We are in that in-between time, right? And we are eagerly awaiting for him, right? We have hope knowing that Christ will come again. And again, I can live in that hope and within that hope, right? And I, when I read the headlines and I, you know, struggle through things of life and, you know, whatever it might be, again, I have the hope of knowing, right, that, that Christ is coming back for me. And that all things will be made new. And yet, as we sit in this in-between time, as we live in that hope, we can also realize that there are so many in this world that don't know Christ, that don't have that hope, right? that are incredibly discouraged, that are lonely, that are walking through life alone. And again, maybe that's you today. Right? Maybe you're here just looking for hope. And I will tell you is you can find that in God. And I invite you to do that. If you do know Christ, then again, our job, right, our mission is to spread the hope of Christ to those that so desperately need it. And especially as we go through the Christmas season, we're reminded again of, of the promise of the Christ child and the promise of Christ coming a second time. Again, what is my role? in that. Right? As I not only grow in my own faith and, and be transformed by God's spirit and be more like Christ every day, right? but also, again, is to share the hope that I have in the midst of those struggles. Right? That I can help and give that hope to someone else. Again, how do you respond to stressful situations? What stress are you facing right now? What do you need to give over to the Lord? Do you feel overwhelmed? Do you feel angry? Are you tempted to just give up? Because hope is the antidote to giving up. Find hope in Christ. Hope is the fuel for your future. Hope is the greatest need in our hopeless world. We have that hope that can only come with Jesus. And that is what we celebrate every Christmas. So hold on to that hope today. Don't let go. Don't miss the fact that your hope is not based on our, faith, on our faithfulness, but on the faithfulness of the baby in the manger. Because the greatest gift ever given is the Christ child and everything that comes with it. Again, through this Christmas season, through this series, we're looking at all the different aspects that come with the Christ child. And today, we focus on the hope that he brings. Just as it said in the video, the gift is right there. All you have to do is accept it. Accept him as your savior for the first time or just accept the hope that he's with you, that he's promised to come again. Will you accept it in your life? As we think about that challenge, I want to end with 
a verse out of Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 through 25, which is our final thought for today. Where it tells us, he says, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope that we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works, and let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Hold tightly to the hope we have in Christ. No matter what you're facing today, no matter what's in front of you, is celebrate the hope that comes from the Christ child. Okay, what, what do you have hope for today? What's the next step in your journey? How will that hope move you forward? Lord, we thank you so much for the joy that comes through the Christ child. God, for all that comes with the most incredible gift of Christmas. Lord, we thank you for the hope that you give us today. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that we can go through life, through whatever we face, Lord, knowing that you're with us. Lord, knowing that that you not only have forgiven our past, Lord, are guiding us in our present, but Lord, you give us hope for the future. And Lord, we praise you for that today. And God, as we go through this Christmas season, Lord, we pray for your presence, for your guidance, for your provision, Lord, and your direction through everything that we face. And Lord, as we celebrate you this, this season, Lord, we put our faith strongly in you. God, strengthen our faith so we can stand firm. Lord, so we'll never question the hope that we have. Lord, we praise you. Thank you. Guide us as we go this week with the hope of the Christ child. In Jesus' name.